This is The Fit Mess with Zach and Jeremy. It says it right here on the back of his book. Whatever your shitstorm is, at least one thing is clear. No one showed you how to handle this, and you're painfully ill-equipped until now. That is uh, a great teaser for the brand new book, Wise as Fuck. It's written by Gary John Bishop, one of our favorite guests. We love having him on. Fortunately, he writes lots and lots of books, so we get lots of opportunities. Tons of uh, wisdom and advice from him that is so applicable, especially in the modern times that we're living in. And I can't wait to share this conversation with you. But so much of Gary's work, so much of what he writes about is about getting out of your comfort zone, taking action, and not letting your, your limiting beliefs hold you back from living the life you want to live. So tell me, Jeremy, what did you do this week that was uncomfortable? <laughs> Sit in this chair. <laughs> Wow, that's pretty lame. Oh. No, seriously. What did you do this week that made you uncomfortable? Uh, well, it, it's funny. I am dealing with some physical pain. Uh, my back currently hurts. It went out about an hour ago, so uh, I'm trying to power through this. Wimp. But but prior to that, I've been dealing with, uh, I've mentioned on the show, probably ad nauseum. I just got these injuries that are nagging. And meanwhile, you know, the COVID weight keeps piling up. I feel disgusting. I feel horrible. And so this week I decided, you know what, and, and I need to give credit where credit's due. My wife uh, sort of acknowledged that in my day, I have not been carving out time for myself. I have not been going, you know, I need time to meditate, yoga, meal prep, something like nothing's for me. It's take care of everybody else. So mm -hmm. she's been giving me an hour every day to just do what I need to do. And so I decided, well, I can ride a bike. So let's do that. So a, a couple of times I got on my bike and went for a ride and went much farther than I thought I could. Um, and qu quick shout out to our sponsor here. I actually ran, uh, rode my bike over to the, uh, uh, to the beverage center to get <laughs> some, uh, some non-alcoholic beers from athletic brewery because my fridge has been empty as I've also complained about on this show. Um, so that, that problem was solved. I got in some exercise and just doing that, like just getting outside and, and sort of experiencing a taste of sort of what was normal has helped me mentally. And, but the hard part is like with most of this stuff is just getting the motivation to take that first step and go out the door. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was something that I did to, to break my cycle, my comfort cycle of just hiding in my house, hiding from the world and trying to do something active to get my life back on track. Mm -hmm. Nice. Good for you. And now it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? What have you, what are you doing to get uncomfortable? Um, I'm uncomfortable right now watching the face, the facial features you're making. And yeah, doing. yeah I is, can imagine this looks uncomfortable for you. It hurts, it hurts a lot. My, my empathetic side is, is screaming right now. Um, today at the parking lot for when I go into work, I have to go through the temperature screening and stuff. And I oh. went into work and I was coming out and I was going across the parking lot and there was somebody, you know, driving. So, you know, in New York, you run to get out of the way mm -hmm. they'll hit you they don't right, slow right. down so i you know jogged four paces and my ankle went again <laughs> getting old is awesome <laughs> this, yeah it sucks anyway so now i'm you know my ankle's hurting again i'm uncomfortable but like i had i had to cancel i couldn't go to my workout because there was a whole bunch of running involved and i mm -hmm. definitely need to give this a couple of days yeah um so there's, a, there's an interesting dichotomy there. One is, you know, while I'm injured, part of, part of my motivation to do something was our conversation that we're going to get to in just a minute with Gary John Bishop about not just sitting there waiting for perfection, not just sitting there waiting for life to come to you and, and land on your lap and go, here's this tremendous opportunity. All too often, we have to just decide I'm taking action. And then what that action is, is of course, dependent on the situation. But there's also a time for what you're saying where... I'm hurt and the action I need to take right now is non-action is to, to rest, to give my body the time it needs so that when I'm ready to take that action, my body will do what I need it to do. Right. But the last time I hurt my ankle, I was like, oh, my ankle hurts. And then one week went by and two weeks went by, mm -hmm. three weeks went by. Finally, it was five or six weeks before I got back into the gym. Right. And it was... Um, it was my ego that got in the way because I didn't want to go to the gym mm -hmm. and, you know, get on the bike when everyone else was running or, 
you know, get on the bike when people were doing jump ropes or something yeah. like that. Right. Like I, I didn't want to be that guy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, talking to, um, the owner of the gym, I, I like explained that to him and he, he let me have it. He's like, oh, that's the ego getting in the way, man. Yep. I was like, you're absolutely right. So here I am. But in this case, I'm going to give it two days because it really hurts. Yep. I don't want to damage it further and then I'll be careful, but well, and you know, uh, and a bum ankle won't stop you from doing some sit-ups, won't stop you from doing some push-ups, doing some modified yoga. Like there are things you can still do. And I, that, believe me, I'm preaching to myself here. This is what I've been telling myself for the, two months. Oh, I yeah. know. You, you can work through this pain by doing other things, but that pain is such an easy, yeah, but. Yeah. And I'm an all or nothing guy. So yeah. if I can't do something to the fullest extent that I want to do it, I won't do it at all. Right. Be damned. That perfectionism getting in the way of perfection, getting in the way of the good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, no, it's been an uncomfortable week from uh, multiple levels, but you know, it's, it was timed really well that, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that Gary John Bishop pumps out books like crazy. Cause we just talked to him and we get to talk to him again on this new book that he just put out. Yeah. So it, the timing of it was great because as I, you know, hurt my ankle or had to, you know, prep for this meeting, I just kept thinking to myself that this is okay. Like this being uncomfortable like this mm -hmm. is growth. This yep. is okay. Yep. This is important. It's all right. Exactly. And so that's what we talk to him about. His new book is called Wise as Fuck, Simple Truths to Guide You Through the Shit Storms of Life. It is a colorful conversation. As always, we love talking to him, but we started off talking about how he's like Hamilton. He writes like he's running out of time. We just talked to him a few weeks ago about his recent audiobook, and now he's got this out. How does he do it? Did you just not have room to fit this into the last book? How'd you do this so quick? I'm always, um, I'm, I'm, believe it or not, as I'm releasing this book, I'm about halfway through another one. Oh my so God. I, I, you know, part of my thing has been like, I've, there's a kind of like this body of work that I want to get out to people. So I've known what that body of work is for a number of years. So I'm, I'm at work, you know, producing that and producing that. And then I'm also putting together three other books. So I'm kind of brainstorming them and laying them out for myself. Um, Cause it's like, I'll, I'll, there's just a lot of stuff. I just got to get it out before I die, you know, like it's got to come out. <laughs> so yeah, that's the game. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's getting on a paper before I depart this mortal coil. I love it. Well, let's talk about kind of the focus of it. Obviously wisdom is, uh, is the key, uh, is the, the focus of this conversation. Let's talk about yeah. the importance of wisdom and what it means to be wise as fuck. Right. Right. Um, so I, I've often, I've been troubled at times by like, why can, how can I pick knowledge up, but it makes no difference to me. Right. Like, how come I can read a fucking book or do a course or something? And somebody tells me all this stuff. I'm like, oh, that sounds really fucking good. Mm -hmm. And then nothing. I just do the same shit that I've always done. Like, how, <laughs> what, what is that? Like, yeah. why? What's the difference? When does it become wisdom for me? Was a question. And then, but what's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Like, how do I get myself? How do I learn these things, first of all? And then how can I take that and make it wisdom? Mm -hmm. And the more I looked at it, and I, I looked at my own life, that the things that that I had learned that became a wisdom for me—that is something that I learned—that when I applied it to my life, it laid out a pathway for me. It told me some truths that maybe I hadn't seen, or I'd been ignoring, or I'd been pretending about. But it, but it was unmistakable. Like it told me a certain truth. So, in this book, I talk about a piece of wisdom that I gave people in the first book that I ever wrote. And, and, the, and the thing that I said was, you have the life that you're willing to put up with. Mm -hmm. Now, that, that's kind of confronting group of words right there. It's kind of like, oh, shit, like, whoa, what? Like, now, and I argue with it, and I might resist it, and I might. But if I apply that to my life, if I look at, like, well, I have the finances that I'm willing to put up with, or I have the career that I'm willing to put up with, or I have the body that I'm willing to put up with, or I have the love life. And it's like, oh, crap. Like, it's starting to tell me some truths here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it doesn't necessarily tell me specifically what to do, 
but it will show up what I need to do. Like it'll bring it to me. Yeah. And so that was really the point of this book was to, was to look at what are some of the things that, that I've, I've since adopted as a wisdom that I, and, and adopted it in such a way that I don't even have to think about it. Like, it's just there for me. Mm-hmm. How did I do that? How did that work out for me? What are the things that I feel as if would resonate with people the most? And that's really what I've been out to do with wise as fuck is to give people this insight and in how to turn what you know into a real bona fide wisdom and then present you with some wisdoms that you don't have to believe them. You don't even have to agree with them. But if you apply them and you look into your life, they will talk to you and you will see things there that you perhaps hadn't considered. I had a therapist once who told me that I wasn't changing because I was too comfortable and that I wasn't uncomfortable enough to actually do anything about it. Yeah. And it, it was that moment where I realized I needed to really dig deep. And one of the things that struck me when I was reading your book is you mentioned, you know, the word mess and messy a lot. And our show is the fit mess. And we totally recognize that shit is messy, really, really messy. So I wanted to get your take on what messy means to you in this context. Yeah. When you're in your life, nothing's linear. Like it's all just, I mean, really it's just like this shit show stuff, you know, it's like (laughs) this over here and that there. And then there's my brother and then there's fucking my biceps. And then there's this fucking, you know, my relationship with my ex and then my job. And it doesn't see me connect. Like it's just, and so what we're doing is, and, and, and I talk about this in the book, like we compartmentalize. It's like, well, this part here works and that part there works and then this part doesn't work. And, then da, 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 da. and so I spend my life, because that part works, I just kind of ignore that. And I'll focus on this thing that I think isn't working until I see that it's never going to work. Then I'll just ignore it or I'll pretend it doesn't exist. I'll chop it out and pretend that I wasn't interested anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. And but, but what, we, what we fail to see is that underneath all of that, all of that is you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of it. So people like to think this idea that, well, my work life is great, but my home life sucks. And what you don't realize is that it all sucks because this sucks. So yeah. none of it gets to be as great as it could be. Mm-hmm. None of it. You don't get to fulfill on your potential in any of those areas. So, you know, the, the, the example that I've been kind of thinking about recently is like you've got a leaky refrigerator and all you do is keep investing in better mops. <laughs> right? Like That's awesome. Fucking mop. I've got, I swear to God, this is the Moptastic 3000. Uh, this thing will fucking mop. <laughs> like, dude, your refrigerator leaking. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. Like, why? What are you doing? Like... So, so I want people to get underneath. I want them to take a look. I want them to get like, yeah, it's all you. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. what, what is it about you and why this and why that? And, and it's that compartmentalizing. It's that like trying to fix a little something over here without ever really being at the source of it is, is what creates that mess and that confusion. Whereas if you were really at the source of it, you really got like, yeah, there's this thing that goes on with me. And when you put it out there in life, it'll work there, 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 and there, but it won't work there and there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so instead of going to there and there, let me get back to this thing that's going on with me. This whole approach that I've got, maybe there's another way for me to to kind of point myself in life such that a lot of this would start to make sense and ultimately work. Yeah. A lot of times we... Uh, we look outside for the answers. A lot of times we look outside just for escape. We get online, social media, whatever, and we find all the the flowery memes that you write about that have all yeah. this, what you describe as bad wisdom. And right. uh, can you just for, for folks that haven't read the book yet, describe what bad wisdom is and why it's so toxic for us. There's so much of it, right? I mean, there's just so much shit, right? That we have agreed is good shit, right? Right. But it's, Still shit. <laughs> so, so I mean, I mean stuff like you know, um, what's for you won't go past you. Yes, it fucking will. Mm-hmm. 
It'll fly right past you. <laughs> <laughs> you won't even fucking notice because you weren't paying attention. <laughs> right, because you were looking at your phone. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, what's for me? Oh, well, that's good to know, right? Uh, or shit, like everything happens for a reason. No, it fucking doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't. How arrogant can you get? Or the universe will provide. No, it fucking won't. <laughs> no, it will not. Tell that to the guy that just got hit by a plane. Was that the universe too? Right. Yeah, kind of was. Anyway. So, so I want people to like start again, like most of the stuff that gets put out there, it's really only designed to make you feel better about the pile that you're in. None of it is designed to get you out of that pile. It's all designed to kind of have you be like, oh yeah, breathe, right? Mm -hmm. Better for breathing. Well, of course you're fucking breathing in a lot. So I want, I want people to get like, when wisdom, when when you engage with wisdom from the kind of perspective that I'm giving you, it gives you a truth, but it's not always a comfortable one. Mm-hmm. It's and it's an unsettled. You know, my view is the truth is unsettling, right? The nature of truth is is violence. It does violence to the status, mm-hmm. right? It cuts through. It exposes, right? And it's like, oh shit, like damn right fuck yeah right and I, and I had those moments in my life like when i was i remember when i first started to do personal growth work and i was like oh fuck it's me right mm-hmm. yeah damn. yeah like damn it damn it I, that was the first kind of harsh part of it and then it was like it's me right because shit i can do something about it right because it's me right. right it's not you and this is amazing because i don't need you to do shit <laughs> right, the trouble's over. Um, so that's that's to me that's good wisdom. It disrupts. It reorganizes. It it does violence to your 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 apathy, your resignation, your 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 stuckness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I find a lot of comfort in in your work. I'm curious, and I saw a picture the other day. You posted a picture of your very beaten up copy of your book. Do you yeah. ever, do you ever have to go back and refer to your own work to sort of get oh, back yeah, on track? I, I do it all the fucking time. Yeah, I, mean, I, I do it because I'm like because it, it kind of puts me back in that kind of paradigm of thinking that I was in when I was putting that together, and, I, and then exposes like a world to me. I'm like, oh yeah, that's oh fuck yeah. And then when I see that thing in the context of the life that I have right now, it often reveals other things to me. Mm-hmm. So it would be. You know, very arrogant of me to be somebody who like, oh, yeah, you guys should all read this shit. And then I don't, you know, <laughs> right. um, and just because I'm right and it doesn't mean to say it doesn't resonate with me. But I do find that I've got to get a little gap of time and then I can go back and then the, the, then the brain starts doing again. I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And, I, and I often like there's a part in my second book, Stop Doing That Shit, where I, I talk about some of my own internal beliefs, like a, like my belief system. And, and, and fundamentally, my, my machinery, you know, has concluded that people don't care. Um, and it's, it's deeply resonates with me. And so whenever I'm upset about something, I'll sit there for a minute and say, all right, now I'm just reminding myself that I'm triggered by that people don't care. And I'll find that I'm triggered by the same shit again. Like, mm-hmm. there I go. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's great. It's a great, it's a great way of, you know, if you can't master yourself, you'll never master life. That's just period. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you master yourself like you're a done deal. It's it's like you're constantly herding cats, right? But but it's good to be a cat herder. Yeah. I want to, so when I was reading, you know, the, the first part of this book, you, you, I mean, you spoke about it earlier a little bit, but, you know, discovering our truths and, um, you know, we got to think deeply and it's not about, you know, just the next how to guide. It's, it's getting deep down and underneath. And maybe the answer to this is go buy the book and read it. But what are some things that people could do to really get underneath? and find out what those deep truths are. How do you get there? Because I spent my life running from them. Yeah, I mean, you're you're living them. So we we live our lives like they're circumstantial. 
So the problems I'm having at college or the problems I'm having at work or the problems I'm having in a relationship or, but if you've never asked yourself, like, well, why the fuck did I go to college? Like what, what's guiding me? What shit? Why did I choose that subject? Why did I get any of this? Like, what was that really? Like, where's all that coming from? You know, like, how come I get upset by that and not that? And rather than just saying shit like, well, I'm just being myself, which is the biggest cop out you'll ever hear in your fucking life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, like, that's like the hidden language of it's not my fault, you know? Um, so, but, but if I started, if I started kind of get interested, like one of the things that I've done with people over time and I've said, you know, why, why did you choose that subject in college? And once you peel back all the shit, they thought that that was the thing they could do, mm-hmm. right? So they were already at some yeah. kind of bar, right? At 18 or 19 or whatever, right? They're already at some level. Like, how come you weren't a neuroscientist or some shit like that? Uh, you know, I never did that. I never, you know, I didn't get those grades. Or like, I know, how come? Yeah, yeah. Like, what's, mm-hmm. so what? Why not, you know? Um, and so what I discovered, I'll give you an example for myself. I never went to college, right? I've never been to college other than, you know, to visit people that I knew there, mm-hmm. um, but but never to get educated. Mm-hmm. And if you'd asked me when I was 16 and 17, am I going to college? But I said, no. And if you'd said to me, well, why not? I'd say, I don't want to go to college. I want to go get a job and make money. But... And that, and for me at that time, that was the truth because I'd never gone underneath how I ended up there. Mm -hmm. I'd never went, well, how did I, why did that become my option and not that, right? Why, how come I never ran off and became a fucking, I don't know, an actor or something, right? Why come I never did something like that? Well, Mm -hmm. because somewhere in the back of my mind, I didn't think I could do that. Mm Right. And then the more I investigated it as an adult, the reason I never went to college when I eventually told myself the truth, which was well in my 30s when I told myself the truth. And the truth was, I didn't think I was smart enough. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, at the age of 16 and 17, I was bullish about smart enough. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. but that wasn't the truth. And so when I uncovered that for myself as an adult man, it was like, Oh my gosh, like my whole life was based on a belief that I had. That I, and at that point it was like, I don't even know if that's true. Mm-hmm. But I believe it. I like I believe it in my heart of hearts. And that's the problem of your beliefs. Like p- people sometimes talk about self-limiting beliefs. You don't know yours. Because mm-hmm. yep. if you saw something as a self-limiting belief, you would no longer believe it. Yep. Because yep. you've uncovered it. Right? Oh, like yeah. shit. Oh, that's one of those things. And um, when, when you have a self-limiting belief, it is shaping everything and you don't see it. So I, I invite people to like start to realize like you're not functioning in a vacuum. You're being guided and shaped by something that you that you probably either you don't understand because you've never investigated it or you've investigated it, but you haven't really gone in and 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 until it mm-hmm. until such a way and and here's when i think you know it i think you know it when you make sense to you yeah mm-hmm. when you make sense and you're like well fucking die right like all the shit that's i'm like well fucking given who i am yeah right and even the crappy stuff like well given the way i'm wired and then so like even when you're in your most negative state you're like well this is part of the wiring yeah this, mm-hmm. This makes sense. This isn't circumstantial. This is the way this thing goes when life goes a certain way, or at least I think life goes a certain way. The greatest freedom you'll ever get in your life is when you finally come to terms with you, right? Yeah. I think yeah. there's a quote from uh, Camus that I have in this book um, where he says, man is the only species that lives in complete denial of who he really is. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> See how smart people are. Like I, I pale in comparison with these fucking geniuses. <laughs> 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 I 
you, if I can bug you with one more, you had a quote in here that rang true for me. Um, it's on the, on the topic of loss. Um, yeah. and, and I can't find the page right now in front of me, but, uh, so many people are experiencing some kind of a loss right now with COVID. They've lost a loved one. There's an election coming up. They're about to lose the country. They think that it is whatever. Um, so a lot of people are, are kind of grieving what was because life has changed so much and they're, they're grieving what was supposed to be, which clearly right. was not supposed to be because here we are. Mm-hmm. So how can, how can we use wisdom to sort of guide us through what is this horrible loss that we're all feeling yeah. on some level? Yeah. So loss can be described in lots of ways of like the physical realm, right? When somebody dies and a pet dies or something. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the tangible realm of things like objects, right? And possessions. Yeah. And then there's the intangible, like like love, right? Which is a kind of intangible. Or self-confidence is an intangible, like, but it's a loss nonetheless. And ultimately, if you take away all the kind of stuff that kind of percolates when you're in the experience of love and all the situations, you'll see that loss is really... Um, the ending of a future that you had thought was happening. Mm-hmm. So it was the end of some future that you had in mind. Yeah. So even when somebody dies or a pet dies, somewhere in the back of your mind, this was going to continue, mm-hmm. right? Or or you get fired or a business goes down or, you know, whatever the thing may be, somebody walks out in your relationship. It's not so much the loss of what was, Right, because we're constantly losing what was. It's constantly gone. Yeah. Right, like yesterday's gone. Yeah, you can argue with all you want. It's gone. Mm-hmm. But what keeps us kind of going as human beings is the promise of the future. Yeah, like it's the, it's the, it's the little bit of hope. Yeah, right? yeah, that that's going to turn out right. That I'm going to turn out. That this is going to turn out. That we're going to turn out. That, you know, I'll wake up and I'm 65 and I've got the same body I had when I was 25. Like, I hope one of these days that fucking turns out. <laughs> Although it won't happen if I don't take the action, but nonetheless. Right. So, <laughs> so it's all about the future. The loss is all about the future. And so I invite people to get with, look, the future is, is completely uncertain. It's completely devoid of anything. There's nothing out there. It's all just a fucking massive blank. And that if you start to understand, like, you have this, Number one, when it comes to loss, to allow yourself the experience of loss. So whatever has been has been, and allow yourself that experience. Don't resist that. But especially at this time, right, in this time of pandemic, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people in this really shitty place right now. And the place they're in is, how do I get this to feel the same way that that did? Yep. And you're done. You're fucking toast because it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right, it's like standing in a desert and complaining that your feet are not getting wet because you used to stand in a river. <laughs> right. right, it's it's a fucking desert. Yeah, right, it's a different thing now. Right, and people might say, "Well, I'm in a desert. That's fucking useless." No, there are people who live in the desert. They find opportunity there. Yeah. There's opportunity happening there. You're just not seeing it because you're obsessed by the river. Yeah, and that's where we find ourselves really like grinding up against it as we're trying to make sense of this through the lens of that. Yeah. And they're not the same. You're in a different world. It's a different paradigm. It's there's different rules now. Yeah. And and you might not like these rules. You might have preferred the old rules. You might have liked the way it was, and this is how it is. Mm-hmm. And what you've got to do is learn to dance in this. And that's what I really invite people to get is that you have this brilliant ability, by the way, a brilliant ability for dancing in the chaos. Like fucking brilliant. And you've always had it. And that if you just had a, if you just kind of surrender to that, like, you know what? I will work this out. And you will. And you do. And in fact, you're currently doing it. You're mm-hmm. currently working it out. But you keep revisiting that idea that it's supposed to be some other way. The reality is this is a generational shift. And it's a big one. And it's it's consistent with other big generational shifts like 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 9-11 or, or the Vietnam War or the Second World War. Like these, these were big generational shifts. This is one. Yep. It's this whole idea of pandemic. Like, oh, wow. Like we're getting confronted by something that's going to force us to look at life differently. There's, you can't – you don't come back 
you don't go back to the way it was. You have to forge your way into the future and dance with whatever you're getting presented with. And that's the case with everything in life, by the way. It doesn't matter. Whereas if you if you move to fucking Idaho, you'll have to dance without reality. <laughs> I don't want to dance in Idaho. No. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of potatoes now. You know. Uh, Gary, I think, I think you're my favorite guest. I love having you on. I laugh, uh, like I don't with anybody else. It's just so much fun. Thank you so much for your time, for your work. It really means a lot and, uh, and good luck with uh, this one. And we'll talk to you again on the next one. I hope. All right. You're welcome. You guys. And as a brilliant, great talking to you guys. And please get yourself a new fucking guitar. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You guys. Thanks Gary. for that. <laughs> Take care, man. Thanks, Gary. All right, dude, you're going to have to get uncomfortable and get rid of that guitar because he's giving you shit about it. Yeah, this is the second, the second time he's been on the show now and, and completely busted my balls about my uh, my cheap guitar that literally, uh, you can't see this because this is not a video podcast, but the guitar is hanging in the same spot it was when we talked to him last time, and I haven't touched it since. So there's really no <laughs> point in being there. I don't understand why I even keep it on my wall. Well, guess what? If you do have to pack your house up and move sometime, it's a good opportunity to get rid of it. It's true. So yeah, and, and that, you know, speaking of that, getting uncomfortable, so much of what everyone in, you know, the world is going through right now, uh, we are, I've mentioned a few times that we're kind of considering all of our options. And one of them right now is uh, there's some some places up in British Columbia that we're looking at moving to. And it's, uh, it's, talk about uncomfortable i mean we are we are considering buying homes in a place in a part of the world where i've never been never spent any time in uh in a country that i've spent you know collectively a few days in but for the longest time i've spent my life making it work when we bought our house it was like well it's a small house and we don't plan on having kids but if we do we could make it work well we've been doing that but it's getting harder and harder to make it work largely for simple things. Again, our house is small. Our kids, as it turns out, they keep getting bigger despite our best efforts. So we're kind of outgrowing this place. The the part of the world where we live here in King County, the COVID numbers are spiking again and things are getting out of control. The the civil unrest, you know, this is not a Seattle thing. This is just in general how how everyone has like gone to their corners and and picked their sides and and is willing to battle even family over political ideology. There's just so much that I feel like I don't know that I can keep making it work. And so that's where, you know, I could do what I would have done before reading this book and go, well, let's wait this out. Let's see how bad it gets. Let's hopefully the right time will come along. The right thing will present itself or I can just take some action and, and do something. And so that's why we're looking at this drastic move because moving to another part of this state doesn't help me moving to a bigger house doesn't resolve a lot of the bigger sort of systemic issues that I think are cultural. And it's, this is not, you know, slamming one political party or another, this has been going on for a long time and it's getting worse and worse um, from, from where I'm sitting. And so that's why I'm now wrestling with getting really uncomfortable and, and doing this kind of a move and doing things like, it, it's so interesting when, when you, I don't, maybe you guys went through this cause you guys just uprooted and moved across the country recently. But like I sit here in my house and I and I miss it. I miss my neighborhood, my my really my 2019 life here. Mm -hmm. um, there's so much that I'm grieving about the future that was supposed to happen, and I, and because that's now not a reality, I I grieve that and I cry about the things that are not going to be able to happen. Like it's it's so uncomfortable to make a decision to leave a place that you love on the off chance that something else might be better. And so I don't know, I don't, you guys, you guys were sort of forced to move because of family issues, but did you go through any of that? Did you feel like I, I, this is something I have to do, not something I want to do. And, and that that sort of makes it more painful. Yes. Yeah, so it was something we had to do. It wasn't necessarily something we wanted to do. Now that we're back, we're, you know, it's been over a year now, oh, almost two years for me, but the, you know, we're, we're okay with it now. And there was a long period of time where, you know, I, I missed Seattle a lot, but prior to moving, 
it was interesting for me because I left six months before my family mm-hmm. and I was, you know, I was gone. So I had double grief. I missed my family. I was already gone, but I kept going back, seeing everyone, knowing that, you know, the time was short. So, um, yeah, there was a lot of grief. There was a lot of sadness. But at the same time, like I was in a new job, I was, you know, pouring everything I could into that. So I was really busy and we were trying to sell the house. I don't think it was until it was the day that we flew out of Seattle on one way tickets. Yeah. Like when it was done where the grief hit me the the hardest. And I really started to feel about missing the future things that wouldn't happen anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I keep fast forwarding to loading the kids up in the car for the one way trip across the border. Like, you know, we're planning to make several trips and go check out the area and do all these things that are going to be really fun. But there at this point is going to come a day when it's time to say goodbye to, to effectively the only house my kids have ever known Mm -hmm. the place where they've grown up. And, and, you know, we live next to this beautiful lake where they've spent summers just swimming and playing with friends and, you know, and I don't want them to not have that, but they already don't have that because of the way the world is like so much, so many of the benefits of, of staying where we are only apply to a pre COVID world. Mm-hmm. And so not that, not that Canada is completely free of it, but you know, the, the places we're looking, it's, it's much lower and far less of a risk and all of the other things that, that add up to that, um, to that decision make it kind of hard not to try. And this is one of those cases where, and I tell my kids this all the time, you're going to regret the things you didn't do more than the things you did. And if we, if we didn't try something like right now, we have an idea where life could be better, could be a little simpler, could be a little slower, could be a lot safer. And if we don't try and worst case scenario happens, you know, one of us gets sick something bad happens at school when they go back, you know, whatever. I would always think, God, why didn't we try? Mm -hmm. Where if, if we go up there and we get hit by a bus, you know, like, well, we tried, like, I'm not, I wouldn't regret something bad happening by taking action rather than nothing happening by not taking action. And so this book, especially just since we've gotten it in the last couple of weeks has been really helpful in, in sort of sorting out my feelings on this because I think I'm pretty good at listening to my intuition when I, when I can shut the fuck up for a minute and listen to, you know, my inner voice, I can usually hear a path and I haven't been able to on this one. And now the voice that keeps ringing in my ear is Gary with his, with his accent screaming at me, you just got to fucking do something. And so this is the thing I can do. And so that's what I'm, uh, that's what I'm attempting to do with this. And he's got to be tickled pink to hear you say that his voice is in your head now. It's yeah. Constantly. I just keep hearing him yelling at me all the time. <laughs> Um, at least he's not talking about the guitar the whole time, not the whole time, but he does make, every time I see that now too, I hear him going, I'll get rid of that fucking guitar. Um, but, but yeah, it's, you know, this is, this is about as uncomfortable as I, as I think it gets is when you are sort of forced to move, well, forced to move, but, but forced to just kind of reprogram your entire life. So, um, you know, that's, that's what I'm doing to get uncomfortable. Yeah. So t- I've, I've got two therapist stories here. One is um, I really loved my therapist in Seattle. I miss the fact that I, I can't see her anymore. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, she called me out one day because I was telling her about the latest, greatest, you know, mind hack thing that I was trying. And um, and she she was like, so what, what, what are you trying to fix? Like with all of these things that you're trying, because I, I, I was always trying you know, I'll do this new time management thing. I'll do this new thing over here. I'll, uh, you know, meditate like this. I'll do this. And it was just always something new. And she's like, what is it that you're trying to solve? And I was like, pin drop. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't answer her. I was like, "I, I don't know. I'm just, just looking for solutions. And she's like, you're looking for solutions and you don't even know what the problem is. And that, that hit me pretty hard. And it was, um, it was that comment that I had to go in and do a deep dive, like Gary was talking about, and, and figure out what the underlying problem was. What was I trying to fix? What was the issue that I was trying to address? Because I had no idea. And getting there was, oh, God, it was so uncomfortable. 
like to the point where I like everything that I was was gone and I, I had to um, get rid of the ego and and deal with this really nasty version of myself mm-hmm. that I didn't want to look at. But it was that uncomfortable. It was getting that uncomfortable that allowed me to make the improvements, to fix the problem, to put the right time management solution in place because I knew what I was actually trying to address. I was going to say, because you still take on a lot of uh, different efforts, strategies, plans to to improve your life in different ways. So you do feel like they're more targeted now. You know, it, it's not just an effort of, oh, that sounds interesting. Let's Let's throw some energy at that. It's you see a way it connects to the deeper issue that you're probably, I imagine, just because you're a human being still working on. Yeah. Most of the time. Every now and again, I have to check myself because I'll spend four, four or six weeks like trying new things. Right. And, and I'll stop and I'll go back to that question of what problem am I, am I trying to address here? Yeah. And I have to go dig a little bit deeper. But, you know, I, generally know what my deep dark issues are you know i suffer from great anxiety perfectionism i could never please my father so like i constantly try and please authority figures right it's so i try and make myself better based on that and it's that's really not important to please authority figures um so i do have to check myself occasionally but for the most part i can take whatever i'm trying this week and tie it back to like that deep underlying issue it's funny you mentioned uh, the daddy issues and and one that came up for me last night, actually, I was, I was doing a little meditating and, and kind of thinking about what, what my why is, you know, what, what drives me to do the things I do and to live the way I do. And one moment has, has always kind of echoed in the background that I've never really sat with until last night. And one was um, when my parents split up, I remember that I could like visualize a drawing, which, you know, I was, 12. So I should have been able to draw better than the picture I had in my head. But, but I had this visualization of this circle and a house with me and my brothers in it with my mom and my dad on the outside. And sort of thinking that that was a temporary thing, like this was a bubble that we were in for a while. And then I just had to get through that until the bubble popped and everything went back to normal. I've sort of carried that with me. And and it sort of occurred to me that that's kind of what I've been doing with all of the problems that I'm now trying to solve with this move is that I've been waiting for things to just get back to normal. I've been waiting for, well, once this all blows over, then I'll, I'll dive back into meditating regularly. I'll exercise more. I'll eat better. Like I'll, I'll get things back on track once this gets back to normal. Here we are seven months later. And early on, I did a really good job of going like, oh, this is my opportunity. I'm home more. There's, there's things I can do. I can really manage my time my own way. But that sort of faded into the background and I've just, I've fallen back into this, this pit of, well, once this blows over, you'll be fine. But again, I can sit here and wait for it to maybe blow over or it'll blow right by me. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, I'm sitting here with, you know, with, with my hands in my lap going, I don't know what to do. So that's again, where I just felt like this is more evidence that I need to take whatever action seems to make the most sense. And right now moving is it. So you know, it's, it's so interesting. Those, those little things that haunt us our entire lives that until we give them room to breathe and, and deal with them, they affect every decision we make. Yeah. And you brought up another point too, where I feel like I've gotten too comfortable again. Mm-hmm. So like in the beginning of quarantine, I was, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm going to, but then I'm home all the time and this is my comfort zone. Like this is my bubble. And it, it reminded me of, of the second therapist story that I had where, you know, I, I was complaining to her. I was like, I know I have all these issues and I know I need to change them. I just can't do anything about them. Like I can't bring myself to do anything. And she was like, well, you're too comfortable. You're not, you know, you're, you're not uncomfortable enough to take action on this. And you brought up a really good point because that brought me to that story and to where I am right now, because when I'm at home, when I don't have to worry about going out and seeing people, like I don't give a shit what I look like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't care if my clothes don't fit right because I'm in, you know, my workout shorts all day. Me too. Um, you know, it's all of those things. I've, I'm so comfortable at home. My relationship with the pantry, super comfortable with that. Right. Yeah. It's, 
you know, it's a little much at times, but I'm so comfortable at home that I'm not doing the things that I need to do to keep myself healthy because I'm so comfortable. I, I, I mean, you literally just took the thoughts out of my head. I've been wearing workout shorts and, and oversized t-shirts for seven months. And in the last couple of days I've had, I say opportunities, I'm going to say it was forced out of my house a couple of times and had to like actually get dressed. And I put on, you know, my skinny jeans and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm pushing it. This is, I mean, they still fit, but it's, it's getting close. It's time to, time to do something. Oh, if these rip, someone's going to get hurt. <laughs> yeah. Someone, it's going to, it's going to be a bad scene. So, uh, time to rein it in and get things under control. And, you know, and part of it is that I've been experimenting with changing up my diet and, and I haven't been, you know, doing the things I need to do to make sure that that, that uh, doesn't go the way that it is currently trending. Mm-hmm. So again, time to take action and stop sitting here thinking, oh, I should, I should eat different. Oh, I should mix things. Oh, I should make sure I work out every day. Time to just do it. Just yeah. stop the, the words and move the body. I took action today. I actually had to go into work. So I was wearing jeans. I got home at like 10 o'clock and I like sat in my home office wearing jeans for like two hours. And finally, I was like, this is bullshit. This is so uncomfortable. Why am I still wearing jeans? And I got up, I went and put my gym shorts back on, took action. Oh, God, that's so funny. (laughs) I yelled it out in the hallway and Tora heard me and I just heard her like laughing downstairs. I was like, why am I still wearing jeans? Well, and it's funny too. We're talking about like, you know, none of us has had a haircut in seven months and we're trying to get somebody to come to our house and cut our hair outside and all this. And part of me is just like, why? (laughs) I'm just with you people all day. What difference does it make? All right. So as we get ready to get out of here, just uh, some some sort of final takeaways. Uh, One, Zach, we were talking about this a little little bit ago, just uh, sort of our our relationship with failure. Yeah, I've I've had a really rough one with that. I my dad used to say to me, um, whenever he asked me to do something or I had to do something, he would say, and I would do it. And I would do it wrong. And he would come back and say, if you just did it right the first time, you wouldn't have to do it twice. Mm-hmm. And that has stuck with me for years that I have to do it right the first time. There is no, uh, there's no ability to fail. Like whatever it is, I have to do it right the first time. Right. Or the, the other version of that, uh, if, you don't have right, if you don't have time to do it right the first time, you certainly don't have time to do it over again. Exactly. Um, but that led to a lot of my perfectionism in, um, and procrastination, right? Because if I cannot do something perfect, I just won't do it. Yep. Um, so that's a big problem, but there's, you know, there's a line in, in Gary's new book, um, you know, his fundamental number two in chapter 10, where it says, I don't love failure, but I'm not afraid of it either. And I just love that part because I've had such a really, interesting relationship with failure Mm -hmm. it was hardwired in me that you cannot fail so i wouldn't try if i knew i was going to fail but i begrudgingly accepted the fact that you know failure is part of growing and while i'm okay with it now as part of the process of me getting to the next place i'm not okay with it by itself right so if i fail and i don't do anything about it that's a bad thing. If I fail, I learn a lesson. I do something better the next time. That's where it's okay. You have to make failure part of the process and as, as opposed to it just being a point in time of I'm a failure. So I really like that part of the book and it really resonated. And, and within that, again, going back to the point of doing something, you automatically fail if you don't do anything. If you just mm-hmm. sit there and just wait for life to happen to you, it's automatically going to fail because you're not going to grow. You're not going to have a lot of the experiences you would have if you decide to take the action on whatever that thing is that keeps spinning in your head. It's not going to, you're not going to will it into existence. Thinking about it, envisioning it, hoping that it happens sets you on the path, but without the action. And, and this is again, a relatively new thing for me because I have read so many books. It's like, Oh, if you just, if you just imagine, you know, that you're going to make all this money and imagine the, the dream home and imagine the perfect job. It will come to you. The universe will will it to you. No, it fucking won't, <laughs> but it will put me in the right mindset to go. These are now the steps I need to take to make that imagination, that vision a reality. 
So it is both without thinking about it, without imagining that world that you want to live in, without creating it in your head, it's going to be a hell of a lot harder to find, but you're sure as shit not going to find it if you don't actually do something. It's funny, as you were talking through that, all I could think of was the song Free Will by Rush. You're a, right? you're a bigger Rush fan than I am. Big enough that I had to look up the lyrics because <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew the general idea of the line, but I couldn't okay. remember the exact words. But uh-huh. um, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. Yeah, that's right. exactly. Uh, and it's right. a good song, though. Ah. For, for me, every Rush song, when it comes on, I'm like, oh, this rocks. What is this? And then, uh, again, not a fan. Forget the singer's name. But he starts singing, and I'm like, oh, it's Rush. Never mind. <laughs> All right. I'm going to wrap things up there. Uh, quick shout out to our sponsor, the Athletic Brewing Company. I, I don't know if you've had this, by the way, Zach. Uh, when I went on my little bike ride, I picked up the, uh, the All Out. I would open the fridge, but it hurts too much. I'm pretty sure it's called All Out. It's their dark, like their uh, like their stout, stouty kind of uh, darker beer. It's delicious. It's a wonderful beer for this time of year, especially. So, uh, and by the way, non-alcoholic. So, uh, drink as many as you like. They're delicious. Thank you to Athletic Brewing for sponsoring us. Thank you to Gary John Bishop for appearing on the show again. At this rate, he'll have another book out in about three or four weeks, and we'll have him on again. <laughs> but, but we'll see. So, thank you to him for being on. And thank you to you for signing up for our newsletter. Uh, You can go to our website right now and sign up there. That is where we take the extra copies that they send us of these books and ship them out to you. We do random drawings for, uh, for the various books and prizes that we have to give away. So if you've not done that, please go to our website and sign up for the newsletter. Oh, and visit our little merchandise shop. If, uh, if you like our logo as much as you do, you want to wear it on your body, click the link on our website to buy any of our fancy uh, hoodies and hats and mugs and stuff with our, with our fancy logo on it. We like it. We think you will too. And of course, follow us on whatever social media platform you can find us on. That's going to do it for us for this week. We will be back next week with the show that I know, Zach, you are chomping at the bit to get this one out. Our chat with Louis Gravance. Yeah, I can't wait. I for the last two episodes, like we've we I've I've started to prep to record, and both times I thought we were prepping to record uh, the 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 next episode. Um, we're going to talk to Louis Gravance, the author of Service as a Superpower. Um, you, you know, he used to work at Disney, so right there, I'm already hooked. Right, and we're both huge Disney nerds. Yeah, but he but he you know the book that he has is is um, again super impactful not just you know for a career but for personal life and you know we got a an opportunity to talk to him so i'm i'm looking forward to our next episode really fun interview really bad audio quality on my part but you know what he forgave us (laughs) yeah he's uh, often referred to as the guy that can make disney service concepts work outside of disney anybody that can do that is a magician so uh, really fun conversation with him I, again, one of those guys we could have talked to all day long. We'll have that up, that conversation for you next week at thefitness.com. Thank you so much for listening, for subscribing, and for being a part of our little community. We will talk to you again next week at thefitness.com. See everyone. We know this podcast is amazing and does not seem to lack anything, but we do need a legal disclaimer. Jeremy and Zach are not doctors. They do not play them on the internet, and even if they did play them on the internet, they would be really bad at it. Please consult your physician prior to implementing any changes that you heard on this podcast. The listener assumes that Jeremy and Zach do not know what they are talking about and that you will do your own research on the topics talked about on this podcast.